When a man's wife threatens to castrate him while he's sleeping, he somehow is still able to fall asleep. But when he wakes up with shredded underwear, he thinks that might have been more than just the threat. A man loves to smoke cigarettes and loves to eat at diners. What happens when those two collide in a paranormal explosion? And then we take a look at a story of... I mean, this story's not funny. I'm just laughing at those other two. This last story is kind of sad and touching. Then we take a look at the story of a man who is about to experience his final days on Earth. He's terminally ill in the hospital. But in a moment, he silently vanishes and finds himself in a chapel with a tall, pale stranger. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having a lot of fun. Speaking of fun, this person's very, very fun, I'm assuming, because they support the show. Or one of our legacy Patreons, only cool people support the show. One of our legacy Patreons, Petite Bourgeois. Everyone give a round of applause to Petite Bourgeois. She's tiny, she's petite, and uh, she's bougie. She has on a bunch of Gucci stuff. So, Petite, thank you so much for supporting the show. You are going to pick you up and put you in my pocket, but you're also going to be the captain and the pilot of this episode. If you can't support the Patreon, you're still cool. Even if you don't support the Patreon, you're still a cool person. But that's okay. It's okay that you're cool. But it's also okay that you don't support the show. Just spread the word about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. I got a bunch of cool cats. Listen to the show, Petite Bourgeois. I'm going to take you out of my pocket, and we're going to put you in the Jason Jalopy. You're going to get a couple of phone books to sit on, and then I'll work the gas pedals. It's going to be super confusing, but you are going to drive us away from Dead Rabbit Command. We're headed out to Painesville, Ohio. We get to Painesville, Ohio. The year is 1991, and Petite, go ahead and stop at this house right here, and we're just sitting in the car. It's nighttime, and we hear a fight, an argument going on in this house. Why I never? You're such a bad husband and stuff. And then the, the husband's like, I'm not that bad. I'm way better than Tom down the street. He's horrible. I'm pretty sure that guy's a serial killer. And she's like, what? No, you're the worst husband in this house right now. They're having this big argument. And we should probably check on Tom later on, because he might be a serial killer. They're having this big argument. And eventually she goes, listen, you better sleep on the couch tonight, because if you don't, I'm going to cut your balls off. That's a pretty pretty stern threat also I have to say this though i've never been married but i love sleeping on couches if i ever get married i'm gonna be like a super lame super lame just so she's like go sleep on the couch and i'm like yippee and i'm like sleeping on the couch all the time having a little teddy bear she's like i don't know maybe i'm gonna start punishing you by making you sleep in the bed i'm like uh. he goes downstairs and he sleeps on the couch you like that song you like that royalty free song it's morning the sun's come up birds are tweeting we're waking up in the jason jalopy we slept outside all night this man who was sleeping in his house he wakes up and he sees that his underwear has been cut to ribbons with a razor blade (gasps) he's looking around he's like oh my god that wasn't just a threat like in the middle of the night my wife tried to chop my balls off He goes to work, which I would call in that day. I'd be like, I don't know about this. He goes to work. 
And he starts telling his coworkers, hey, I don't know. Do you think I could spend the night at your place? You have a couch I can sleep on? Or you bunk bed? Even we could be bunk mates. Because I'm pretty sure my wife tried to castrate me last night. People are like, what are you talking about? And he goes, listen, my wife threatened me. She said she's going to cut my balls off. And yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll report that to the police later because that's domestic violence. But I woke up, my underwear was shredded. And everyone's just like eating their sandwiches. They're like, oh, you know. So what, what, you guys aren't shocked that my wife threatened to chop my balls off and then I wake up and my underwear shredded? They're like, it's kind of weird, but your wife didn't do it. And the guy's like, what? What do you mean my wife did? Who else would do it? And all of a sudden, the, the lights <laughs> flicker in the room and there's like an old timer at the company smoking a pipe. He's like, ah, you don't know the tale of how long you've lived in Plainsville, Ohio. He's not blowing kisses. He's puffing on his pipe. You don't know the tales now, do you? But everyone else at work had heard of the BVD Bandit. What had been going on was a man had been breaking... This had been going on for a while. A man had been breaking into houses where men were sleeping. And as the men were totally asleep, he would sneak up in the darkness on them and begin to fondle their genitals while they're sleeping. And then, schlink! pull out a razor blade and begin to cut the underwear off these sleeping men. Now, I don't know about the residents of Plainsville, Ohio, but I'm not that deep of a sleeper, right? If a fly landed on my junk, I'd probably wake up. I don't understand this. But some of them did wake up. Some of them did wake up. And they waked up to find a strange man standing over them, playing with their balls. So you would immediately just want to, you know, beat this dude up and so you would jump up to go chase the guy and your underwear <laughs> your underwear fall off multiple times people are like yeah i woke up this guy broke into my house he was sexually assaulting me when i went to chase him my underwear fell off so i don't know if the slashing of the underwear was actually part of like his escape plan he's like haha they'll never catch me no one will ever run naked after a pervert or if it was part of his fetish. But I guess we could know because they actually did arrest this guy. They were able to arrest him. They charged him with 21 counts of burglary, four counts of sexual imposition, and he was facing 45 years in prison. Now, this story happened back in 1991. So what is that, like 30 years ago, is it? Yeah, it's about 30 years ago. So even if he got the maximum, he's going to be walking the streets of Plainsville, Ohio, in another 15 years. And you're like, Jason, I'm not worried about that. I don't live in Plainsville, Ohio. I don't care what happens in 15 years. doesn't matter. The weird thing is, is I could never, ever find out how long he got sentenced for. His name was Van W. Patterson. He was 23 years old. I could never find out how much time he actually got. But we don't know. This guy may be walking free right now. Hopefully he's been cured of this bizarre fetish. But, you know, fetishes, man, he actually probably runs a website at this time. SlashMyUndies.com Where there's just like dark web videos of men sleeping and someone walking up to him with a razor blade. Creepy story. Creepy story. Imagine a man sneaking into your house, cutting up your underwear while it's still on you. If it's in the drawer, go nuts. Chop it all off. I'll go buy more, but don't cut it while it's on me. And then, you know, don't fondle me either. That's pretty disgusting. I think that's even more disgusting. But the second one involves a razor blade next to my genitals. So that's a very worrisome as well. And it's the dark. It's in the dark when you're doing it. So spooky all around. Petite bourgeois. Let's go ahead and pull you out of the Jason Jalopy. We're going to now put you in the Dead Rabbit Dirgible. We are headed out to 
Malaysia. That rabbit dirigible is flying out there. Little Petite is on a bunch of phone books. You're like, Jason, do they even make phone books anymore? When's the last time you saw a phone book big enough to actually stack up to put someone on? We have a bunch of hard drives then, so Petite Bourgeois can stand on him. Specifically, we're headed out to Georgetown. That's in Penang, which I'm assuming is some sort of state or region in Malaysia. Dead Rabbit Dirigible is floating overhead, and we see down below us, we see a little business land right there. And outside this business is a man named Arif Shaw R.K. He actually wrote this letter to the opinion page of a newspaper called the New Straight Times. Apparently, it's like a Malaysian newspaper. I think they have versions all over the world, but this one's the Malaysian version. He's basically writing this letter, like, Dear Diary, but <laughs> then he scratches out Diary and he put, Dear New Straits Times. He's going to tell us a story. So we're standing outside this business and he starts telling us a story and there's a flashback. And he's like, long, long time ago. So now we're just, <laughs> it's like a silent movie. We're all moving super fast. It's not that long ago. It's actually like a week before he writes the letter. Anyways, he tells a story. I don't know why I set up that weird intro. Here's the story. His friend, we'll call his friend Dougie. Dougie is driving for a work meeting. So it's a pretty far distance. And he sees an R&R, which is like a rest and relaxation area. And in Malaysia, they actually usually have like eateries set up. In America, it's just like a parking lot where you can empty your septic tank and like some restrooms. And then the unforgiving woods surrounding it. I always hated rest stops because you pull into them. And then it's just the darkness of the woods in front of you. You're like... Your parents are like, do you need to use the restroom? You're like, I already beat my pants when pulled up, bro. I don't like the woods. But in America, it's just like these little stops where you can let your dog run around, stuff like that. Apparently in Malaysia, there's diners set up at these R&Rs, these rest and relaxation areas. Uh, Dougie's driving this long distance. He's on the way for a work trip. He sees this uh, R&R. He goes, oh, I'm going to stop there. I'm going to get something to eat. He goes there. He orders food. There's just a bunch of diners eating like a normal restaurant. There's a very beautiful waitress is walking. Hey, sugar, what you want? He's like, I don't know. How about some of you? Apparently, we're in a 1950s movie. He orders some food. He's eating it up. And then he's like, I got to go to the bathroom. So he goes to the bathroom, does his business. And then he's washing his hands. And the, and the sink next to him, the water tap turns on by itself. And he looks over at it. Very puzzling. Shouldn't do that. Turns it off. You like this theater of the mind? And then he's continuing to wash his hands. And then again, the other tap turns on. He goes back to it. He doesn't think much of it. He goes back to his table, finishes eating his food, leaves the waitress a tip, goes on his way. But as he's driving to his hotel, he notices the car is driving a little odd. Seems to be a little off. He doesn't really think anything of it, though. Very nonplussed guy, Dougie. He gets to his hotel. He goes to sleep. Later on, it's not like he woke up the next morning. You're like, I don't even know what that stupid song is you're trying to sing. He doesn't wake up the next morning and immediately call his family. But at a certain point, he's talking to his family. And he's like, hey, yeah, I was stopped at a new rest and relaxation area. They have a really nice diner. Looks at his wife. He's like, oh, the waitress is super ugly. Blech, gross. Blech. But um, also, I think the plumbing's faulty. But it's a really nice diner. And his family's looking at him. And they go, what? He's like, yeah, that re- rest and relaxation diner in this area. And his family goes, that place hasn't been built yet. They're like, they're planning on building it. And Dougie starts to get really mad. He's like, no, I went there. I ate a bunch of food. I went to the bathroom. 
And then, I, 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 mean, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, what do you want me to do? Describe minute by minute? I was there. And the family's like, that place doesn't exist yet. So he's like, come on, guys. You, got, you kids are staying over from school today. I'm calling in sick to work. Everyone in the car. We're driving out to that area. I'm going to prove to you that this place is up and running. He's driving his family out there. They get there. And it's under construction. Now, remember, he saw it fully in operation. There was a bunch of people in there, eating, this beautiful waitress, and the bathroom, which is all you can hope for from a diner. He goes in there. It is not open. It's not been opened yet. There is no way that you could have a bunch of people eating there or employees. And oddly enough, if that's not weird enough, but another odd detail is he walks up, and the tip that he left the waitress is sitting on the table he was at. It's just sitting there collecting dust. Now, faced with this series of events, what do you think his next course of action was? According to the author of this letter, according to Arif Shaw, Dougie then got super mad because the waitress left the tip. He's like, what? I gave her this money. She didn't even take it with her. Oh, what, what a waste. I'm going to take this back. He's looking at each other. They're like, the restaurant doesn't exist. There was no waitress. How can you be mad at a phantom? And we should probably call the doctor because this guy needs to get checked out. He's like, oh, the service was so good. You deserve this tip. A couple days later, after this whole event, he's like, whatever. The waitress, uh, she doesn't deserve this tip. Everyone's like, she doesn't exist. He's like, oh, no, she doesn't exist. He's totally adamant that, that the place existed. And now it, maybe it's some huge prank or something like that. He can't get it through his head. But one day he's at work with Arif. And he goes, hey, I'm going to go smoke a cigarette. He smoked all the time. And where he smoked at work was he would go to this staircase and he'd sit down, light up a nice little cig. (sighs) Menthol fresh, he'd said, after every single drag. That's why they made him go to the stairway. They're like, Dougie, you're so irritating. (sighs) Menthol fresh. Which he's mispronouncing it anyways. But then he goes into the stairwell. And he gets ready to say his famous catchphrase. And he sees a figure. No, not just a figure. A woman. No, not just a woman. It's the beautiful waitress from the rest stop. And she turns to him with eyeless sockets. Just darkness reaching into the back of her skull. And he looks at her. He drops that cigarette. He runs away. The name of this article, the name, that's the end of, <laughs> he didn't run away. He's not running to this day. He just ran into work. He's like, guys, you won't believe what happened. I stopped smoking. A little asterisk there. The name of this letter that was written for the New Straight Times, which they published in their opinion section, was a ghost. Let me get the exact title. A ghost scared off my friend's smoking habit. So the whole point of this article was about a guy who meets a ghost to make some stop smoking. First off, that's not true. He just stopped smoking in the stairwell. And it specifically says that in the letter. And then my friend stopped smoking there. Because a, go- because a spooky ghost showed up. Of course. You're not going to smoke there. But it's not like that was the only place in the world to smoke. He can just smoke somewhere else. He can smoke in another staircase. A staircase going up. It's more angelic. 
But I think they're kind of burying the lead. I think they're kind of burying the lead with this one. The story isn't, my friend stopped smoking because he saw a ghost. The story is, my friend went to an alternate reality where a restaurant's already been built and was able to interact with that reality on such a level that he left money there. Actually, now that I think about it, he left money for the tip. But what about the money? Where's the money he used to buy the food? I'd be more mad about that. I'm like, what? I pay 10 bucks for a ghost burger. You're like, I was wondering. I was wondering why I went to bed hungry that night. You're like, oh man, look at all this food. You're eating all these appetizers, chicken wings and everything. You're like, buy $100 worth of food and then you're driving back to the hotel. You're starving. You're like, oh, oh why am I so hungry? You have to stop and buy some M&Ms just to go to sleep. Like, couldn't he check his credit card statement and prove he had been there? Like, forget the tip. Forget the five bucks he left for the waitress. Where's the money he actually spent on that burger and the coffee and all that stuff? That, the fact that he saw a ghost in a stairwell, thats I can tell you that story. My friend likes to smoke. He went to a spooky stairwell. He saw a ghost. He stopped smoking there. The end. I don't have to write a letter to the editor for that one. That's not the story. The story is this guy went to an alternate dimension or the future and interacted with a whole group of people. Ate the food, ate future food, met a waitress, and then you have a ghost in the bathroom. But even that's minor. Compared to the fact that he traveled to an alternate reality, or the fact that this man may be so insane, he's driving at night, he's super tired, he sees an abandoned work site for a restaurant, he breaks in and imagines a restaurant full of people. Could you imagine stumbling across that scene, you're also driving late at night, you see a rest stop and you pull in and you see a restaurant under construction, and you see a man in there going, mm mm this is the best pie I've ever eaten. He's talking super loud. And you hear just like a fork hitting an empty plate. And he's like, I'll have seconds. You sure are beautiful. And you just are looking at this dark, empty diner. That's actually scarier than a ghost story because that dude is completely loony. But a very interesting, I don't know if I'd classify that as a Mandela effect or a ghost story or both. I do find that story very, very fascinating. Not so much for the eyeless woman in the, the stairwell, but the fact that this man stopped at a place and was able to drink, give money to, a, to the future or to this alternate dimension, eat alternate dimension food, and then argue, argue with people about it and then get mad that his tip was still there. Very bizarre story. The ghost popping out of the stairwell, whatever. Um, I mean, that is spooky, but that's like fifth grade girl spooky that you tell at a sleepover. We're way above that. We only do. <laughs> I tell those stories all the time, actually. I always tell those spooky stories. I love them. I'm a fifth grade girl. Petite bourgeois, let's put you in the Carpenter Copter. We're actually all going to shrink ourselves down to join Petite in the world of the tiny. We're going to put you in the Carpenter Copter. It's a little toy copter now, and we are headed out to Atlanta, Georgia. Wait, no, it's tiny now. Little toy Carpenter Copter flying over the state of Georgia. It's January 4th, 1983, and now... We're, we're back to normal size. Otherwise, the rest of the story, we're the littles running around this hospital, carrying around sewing button shields and little needles for swords. As awesome as that would be, doesn't really fit this story. So we're all normal size. We're walking around the hospital. It's January 4th, 1983. It's three in the morning. The spookiest time of day. Melissa Deal Forth 
She's currently in the hospital, but not as a patient. Her husband is terminally ill. She's in her husband Chris's hospital room. He's sleeping. And she finally is able to find a moment to sleep herself. But at 3 a.m., she feels a hand on her shoulder, waking her up. What? Huh? What? And there's a nurse standing there, and she's like, uh... Uh, I don't know where your husband's at. There's less fun ways to get woken up, i.e. having your underwear cut off by a razor blade. But this one is up there too. Your terminally ill husband is missing. And so Melissa wakes up and the nurse is looking for, they can't find her husband. And Melissa can't figure it out because, you know, hospital rooms aren't known for being the most spacious areas. And he's hooked up to like this IV bag and all these monitors and things like that. And she's trying to figure out, well, she's trying to process that her husband's missing. How is it possible for him to have even left the room? He would have had to navigate past her with all of this gear without making any noise. Because her sleep hasn't been that deep anyways. She's very troubled. She's about to lose the love of her life. He was also somehow able to sneak past the nurse's station that was outside of his room. Everyone begins searching the hospital. They have no idea. You know, someone who's terminally ill, you don't know what they're going to do. So there's a, there is a frantic nature to it, plus the mystery of how he went missing in the first place. Melissa is running around the hospital looking for him, and she runs past a chapel. Most hospitals, at least in America, have a chapel in them. Any faith can use them. It's just a quiet place for contemplation. She runs past the chapel, the doors open, and she sees her husband sitting there. And she immediately is overwhelmed by both relief and a little bit, a little little angry, right? A little angry. No one likes being worried. But she sees a man she's never seen before sitting next to him on the pew in this chapel. As she walks into the chapel, she's she's just furious. She's just, where have you been? What's going on? How did you get past me? Can you teach me that trick? I want to be a ninja someday. She's furious. She's just throwing these questions at him. And Chris is calm. Chris seems at peace. And the stranger is really not reacting to this at all. And as Melissa is getting closer to this, even though her words are very angry, she's kind of slowing down herself. She Not not verbally. She's not talking super slow, but... She's been able to take in the totality, because she's able to take in the totality of the scene. This man is an odd duck. He's a tall man with pale white skin that's perfectly smooth. All of his clothes, he's wearing like a flannel shirt, jeans, and boots. She gets closer to him, she notices that all of them look new. Not necessarily like clean and nice. She says they look like they just came off of a rack at a store. They were perfect. They were showroom perfect clothing. She gets to Chris. The stranger is just kind of staring at the ground, trying to not interfere with what's going on, trying to really not be noticed, but he's very tall. And Melissa notices his eyes are pale blue. She says, I've never seen eyes like that on a human before. So I'm not talking about every so often you'll get some Eastern European model with really crazy eyes. Not that. Just inhumanly blue eyes. Chris is just sitting there, and even though she's really mad, she's really relieved, she can't understand how any of this happened, Chris turns to her and goes, I just need this time here right now. And she keeps protesting, and he goes, I need this time here. And so reluctantly she agrees to just leave him with this stranger. 
she goes back and she waits in his hospital room. And eventually Chris comes walking back with all of his IV bags. Everything that he needed that somehow he was able to sneak past her and past the nurse's station. He's walking through the hospital pulling his little IV dolly. And she said he seemed so full of life. He was smiling. He walks in and the nurses come in and they get him back into bed and he's laying there. And she just sits there and she's looking at her husband. And he goes, Melissa, that was an angel. It's not that I think it was an angel. That was an angel. He came to me. That was my guardian angel. Chris died two days after this event. Now, this was reported by a group called CNI News. I actually wasn't able to track down. I'm assuming it was a much older website or newspaper at some point. They don't exist that I can find on the, online. I got it from thinkaboutitdocs.com. They got it from CNI News. It's an interesting story because we see that, and I'm not going to dive too much into the interpretations of it because I think I've done that several times on the show, but we do see the parallels between a alien abduction type event, somebody disappearing like that, making no noise, being teleported, however you want to phrase it. And then you have the idea of the smooth skin. Also, that is very connected to alien mythology, the bright blue eyes, uh, the pale skin. Those usually match the Nordic aliens. It's very tall. And I don't want to get into the whole thing like are aliens, demons, or angels, and things like that. We've explored that on our show before. I want to talk about one of the unique details here is the fact that it was wearing the new clothes. That was the detail that really stood out to me. We've heard stories about guardian angels before. I think they're very touching stories. I think they give people a moment of peace. I love those type of stories. But the the new clothes... That's a very bizarre detail. I don't recall coming across that before. We have so many times where aliens... That's really what... I mean, it's a guardian angel, sure. But it's definitely alien in appearance. So that's why I keep kind of going back to that. Aliens generally have their own uniforms. They have their own space clothes. Diving suits or skin-tight clothing. Very rarely do you see them in civilian clothes. It does happen, but it's rare. But even then, they've never been suggest is wearing perfect clothing sometimes clothing of a different time period sometimes clothing that's ill-fitting but i can't recall you guys can correct me but i can't recall a time that i've talked about somebody from out of this reality out of this world wearing clothes that are perfect i think it's very interesting that this figure who we would think is a guardian angel is wearing brand new clothing I just find that such a bizarre detail. It's, see, when you research this stuff for 30 years, it's things like that that stand out to you that makes the story more believable. It's details like that that usually aren't made up because it's not part of the lore. If she had walked in and he turned around and she goes, and I swear he had a halo over his head, my eyes would have rolled so hard. You know what I mean? Because it's just, if you're making it up, you would play into what people know about guardian angels. But the fact that his clothes were brand new, looked like they came off of a showroom, that's a detail that's so interesting that it gives, actually gives the story more validity. 
I could wrap this episode up and talk about more about before you die and seeing guardian angels and stuff like that. And that's really how I planned to end it. I was going to go. So someday if you're going, but I figured that's a downer, right? We all know we're going to die. We all know that our loved ones are going to die. I'm not going to play out. I'm not going to play out some narrative device to wrap up this episode and say, and then someday you'll see your guardian angel too. I think I already pretty much went over that. I think someday you will see your guardian angel, whether or not you believe in angels or not. I think in the moment, right before you die, you will find peace. And I think it should give you peace if you think of your loved ones, whether they've died like this man of a terminal illness or if they've died suddenly. I truly believe that in those last moments, they find peace. No matter how gruesome or violent it could be leading up to it, they find peace. And not the peaceness of the cold black void of death. I'm talking about before you die, think about when you dream. They say a dream only lasts seven seconds, but in our mind, they last hours. I believe that translates to our last moments as well. Where you could be dead. You go from that living biological organism to a dead biological organism, and there's like, like seconds pass. But in those two, three seconds, an entire lifetime can be lived through your mind. That is just as real as this one. I think it's very important for us not to fear death. I have a problem with fearing. I, I don't fear death. I overthink it. And I really have to work through it. I overthink it. Like, what's it going to be like? How's it going to be? Is this third eye blind? Is that song going to be on loop? Like, how's everything going to go? I overthink death. And that makes me worried about it. I don't fear it, but I overthink it. I find myself in that headspace a lot. But. So maybe I'm just talking to myself at this point, but I don't think so. I think most people, I think a lot of people think about it. So yeah, in those mo- in that moment before you die, in that moment before your loved one dies, know that there was a peaceful dream, a transfer from this life to the next. It may not have been as unusual as appearing in a chapel next to a tall stranger who's giving you words of wisdom that you can take to the next life. It may not be that dynamic. It may be something much more quiet and mundane. It may be a return to a place that you loved growing up. And the last moments on this world are spent in that beautiful memory for as long as possible. We don't know the truth. And hopefully we won't know the truth for a long time. Hopefully we all live very long and healthy lives. But I believe when that time comes we will find the peace that Chris found when he talked to his guardian angel. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. 